0: Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, back from Santa Clara, California, Wes. And the Packers 2019 season unfortunately has come to an end. 37-20 loss in the NFC title game to the San Francisco 49ers. And there are a lot of different ways we can try to go about dissecting this, but for me We all know the Packers needed to play better than they did in San Francisco in Week 12 in order to get a different result, and the bottom line is they didn't play better, and because of that, the San Francisco 49ers, hats off to them. They are clearly the best team in the NFC, and they will represent the conference in Super Bowl 54. Man,
1: and and from just that perspective, you feel really good for Kyle Shanahan, Robert Sala, everybody over there on that side of things because... San Francisco, since the very beginning, has been a tremendous, you know, uh, they've done a tremendous job all season long uh, in terms of what they were able to do and how they were able to accomplish it. And, you know, they, they came in and they did what they were supposed to do in this game, and you know, it was an interesting game plan. If you would have told me going into this thing that Jimmy Garoppolo was only going to throw the ball eight times, <laughs> eight times, yeah, I don't think I would have believed you. Uh, but and then you know, certainly Tevin Coleman has kind of been their bell cow, sort of the the power back for them. Well, he gets injured with the shoulder injury, and Raheem Mostert, who's probably one of the better stories in the NFL this season, when you consider where he came from, the amount of stops he had leading up to San Francisco and even when he got to the 49ers he was mostly a special teams hand yeah and then here he is now six yards per carry for his career during the regular season and he busts out for 220 yards in this game against Green Bay the Packers did not have an answer for them and you know guys in the locker room Blake Martinez among them talked about it I mean they just San Francisco was able to switch things up enough with their run concepts that the Packers were never able to get comfortable outside of really that opening drive where they went three and out beyond that San Francisco was able to move the ball at will, and when you give up that amount of rushing yards, 285 rushing yards, yeah. it's just, it's it's that's a big uphill battle to climb.
0: Yeah, it was a combination of two things in the first half in which the Packers fell behind 27 to nothing. It was the inability to stop the run with Mostert doing the vast majority of that damage, and then the Packers making mistakes on offense. You look at Mostert, I believe he's been released, cut like a half dozen times in his career. He ends up with the 220 yards and four touchdowns. He becomes the first player in NFL history with 200-plus yards and four rushing touchdowns in a playoff game. The 220 yards is the second most rushing yards in a playoff game by an individual behind only Eric Dickerson, who, of course, is in the Hall of Fame. And on the Packers' side of things, you know whether you're talking about penalties or sacks or a fumbled snap when it's looking like you're going to get on the board at 17 to nothing now I mean you know you can say hey that you know if the Packers get it to 17-7 there maybe it's a different game yeah maybe it is but maybe it isn't if you can't stop the run because um, what San Francisco was doing in this game on the ground as you said the Packers just didn't have an answer for it and when uh i sort of described it an in insider inbox as i was writing in the wee hours of the morning on the plane coming back when it's third and 8 and a simple handoff goes 36 yards for a touchdown you kind of go uh-oh yeah. because that's not that's not how that's supposed to happen and it looked way too easy for the 49ers and it just kind of stayed easy
1: through the bulk of the ball game. Well, and the Packers had shifted to their dime there, and they'd run mostly base up into that point. And for the most part, the Packers, I actually think, have defended the run all right on draw plays with their dime scheme this year. Yeah. That wasn't one of them. No. And Mostert was able to get through. I wrote about it in our game notes. Six of their 10 longest plays went through Raheem Mostert. And he, you know, it was a 36-yard carry. That was his big gain, the touchdown. But other than that, it was just consistently being able to move the chains and have explosive plays when they needed them. The, the thing that's tough for Green Bay in a game like this is that you you pointed it out. I mean, offensively, they, they just shot themselves in the foot too much in the first half. Yep. Second half, they actually turned it up a little bit. You saw Devontae Adams get going. I thought they were playing a little bit more free. Jimmy Graham had a big catch. Certainly Aaron Jones didn't have a bevy of opportunities, but I thought played pretty well with the ones he did receive. But defensively, they could never get the stop or the takeaway that they needed believe it was five games this year where San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo did not have a turnover and two of those were against Green Bay so you can have some of those missed opportunities you can miss some tackles but if you give up the ball and you're not able to force it and get gashed for those explosive plays it's it's a very difficult battle to be able to to wage against a team like San Francisco you and I discussed this about you go back to that Lions game at Ford Field Mike you It was an up-and-down game for Green Bay. They rallied late. When you get to the postseason, and you're against a team like the 49ers who are as good and as disciplined in so many different aspects of the game. They're just not going to afford you those opportunities to claw yourself back into it, and the result was what it was.
0: Well, you knew when the Packers were down 2-0 in the turnover category at halftime and facing such a big deficit, it was going to take a turnover or two to really turn the tide in this game. But, you know, turnovers come by either – most of the time, sack fumbles on the quarterback or interceptions. And if you're not making the quarterback throw the ball, you're not going to be able to get those turnovers. And the 49ers just controlled things at the line of scrimmage. They, uh, um, they just they, they looked dominant. And, and I'll, I'll say this, too. It, as I was kind of pondering all this flying back on the, on the plane late last night, You looked at the NFC and how much of a meat grinder the NFC was this year. The Vikings were a good team. The Saints were a good team. Seahawks were pretty good. Packers obviously were good. But all the rest of those teams were still kind of just grinding along in the playoffs. The 49ers found another level. They dominated Minnesota. They dominated the Green Bay Packers. And as good as the NFC was, the 49ers were the one team in that group of good teams in the NFC that rose to another place in january and that's why they're going to the super
1: Bowl. well and and this is a part i wanted to get into later in the show but heck why not just get into it (laughs) now uh san francisco like they're the standard right now they're the standard bearer for the nfc and we'll find out here in two weeks maybe for the nfl right in in terms of how they play in where they can win football games for green bay they are ahead of schedule and that's one of the things I'm sure you and I will be discussing a lot this week. Nobody anticipated the 13-win season, being back to get in the playoffs and also get a first-round bye to win a game, to get back to your third NFC Championship game in six years. All those things were phenomenal and terrific. But San Francisco, once Jimmy Garoppolo got back and once they got through that early gamut in that first month of the season, people really started to think, okay, this guy, this team was sort of a quarterback away, a pass rusher away. And you could kind of see. I mean, I was saying it. I remember the conversation we had with Wayne Larvey uh, during one of our pep rallies. I I said it back in September and early October. I mean, San Francisco, to me, was one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL at that point because they did all the little things right, and they're incredibly fast, incredibly disciplined, and in between the hashes, really tough on both sides of the ball. For Green Bay, where they need to look at now going into this offseason is that you are ahead of schedule. And I'm writing this in insider inbox for Tuesday. This is a tremendous opportunity ahead of them right yeah. now. But they have to be pragmatic, they have to be disciplined in what they do and how they approach this offseason to reach that next level. Last year, John Lynch felt like he needed to go add D Ford. Look at what D Ford added to this de- to this defense. Yeah. You've seen Joe, you know, Nick Bosa come in, have what he's done, the speed of their linebackers, having a veteran like Richard Sherman. I don't, as Aaron Rodgers said, I don't see the Packers as being that far away from where the 49ers are, but they need a smart, savvy offseason to make that next step.
0: Yeah, and I want to get into a little bit more of Aaron Rodgers' uh, comments here in a minute, Wes. But uh, select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering catering or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at cousinsubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, well, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, he's gone to the podium three times now in January after an NFC championship loss on the road. And this one, this was a different press conference. Yeah. You know, obviously we don't need to revisit Seattle and the heartbreak of all of that. But three years ago against the Atlanta Falcons, the Packers were dominated um, on the scoreboard and, and all of that. Um and Rogers, Rogers' message, other than saying, "Hey, we need to get a championship game at home," which is something he still hasn't had yet in his career, but as much as then was, you know, "Hey, we got to go all in." It's it, it's about it's about having that that uh, franchise changing off season. Well, it took a couple years. That franchise changing off season was this past one. Yeah. And so, Rogers' message after the game last night. Against San Francisco was he. He really feels the window is open for this team. That uh, there's there's a core here now that Matt Lafleur as a now will be heading into his second year as a head coach. The staff that he's put together. Brian Gutekunst will be in his third year as the general manager in charge of the roster. There's a core here now to work with to figure out then what are the extra pieces that are needed to move forward. It's not it's not about it's not about needing some kind of an overhaul anymore because that overhaul happened and uh, Aaron Rodgers is he's he's very he's very optimistic he says he has a lot of trust in the leadership both personnel department coaching staff he has a lot of trust in the leadership of the team the locker room as well himself included as to where this team is headed and as much as a loss in the conference championship when you're 60 minutes away from a super bowl as much as it stings and it's still going to sting for a while, I just get the sense that the Packers are going to be heading into an offseason with a really different feel this time than even three years ago when they got to the same point in the postseason.
1: Yeah, it's it's a much different scenario this year and this this time around. You know, a couple things to that. The first thing I thought Aaron Rodgers, the, the line he had about how, you know, this was fun again, Yeah. you know, and, and, and him enjoying this season. Yeah, I, I obviously I mentioned this a number of times on this show over the last five hundred episodes. I didn't cover the Packers daily like you did in two thousand ten and two thousand eleven, but this was my eighth full time season on this beat. And Mike, this was the tightest locker room by far. Yeah, it wasn't close. Two thousand fourteen was a great team. They were a, a phenomenally talented team that was a Super Bowl caliber squad. No doubt. That team wasn't as tight-knit as what this team was in terms of the that X factor that you always talk about. And I think that's one of the reasons why, as I walked in that locker room on Sunday night, that that locker room was, you know, as emotional as anyone I've ever been in, even more so in some regards than two thousand and fourteen. yeah because guys understood what they had accomplished. In what it meant, the 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 health of the team, the way that they came together, um, you know, they didn't lose back-to-back games all season. That's not easy to do when you're looking at you know guys coming in in April, installing. And, and I had a conversation with Mason Crosby as he was leaving locker room, and he mentioned it's just it's tough. It is tough when you make it this far, and you're that close to your goals. Yeah. And he's like, it you know it's it, it, you're tired. You know it, it's been a long run, and you just want to make it that one extra step. But the nice thing for this team, I think even more so than 2014, and definitely more so than 2016, is they feel like, one, they're incredibly young, and they're talented. But they also, this roster that didn't have playoff experience in a lot of ways, well, now they got two great examples of it that they can build off of. But it needs... A productive, healthy offseason. They need to take the principles that they've instilled this past year under Matt LaFleur, and they need to be able to find that path offensively to finding the efficiency they look like, defensively finding more consistency in special teams, finding the playmakers that they need to make a difference there, because in so many ways they were exceptional, but in so many ways you also saw what it's going to take to be that San Francisco 49ers type Super Bowl contender.
0: Yeah, and I like what you said about the locker room in terms of the the closeness and the, the tight-knit feeling of it, because I would agree, it's been a long time since I've been in a Packers locker room that felt this tight. And I will say, 2010, the Super Bowl championship year, obviously, that was a very tight locker room, but it was different because it was a closeness that was Fostered by circumstance and adversity because, you know, Nick Barnett goes down, Jermichael Finley goes down, Mark Tauscher goes down, all these starters were getting injured, and these other guys have to step in. And it was like the team just kept getting cl- growing closer and closer because of those circumstances and what it had to deal with. This team, I think you would agree with me, this team felt like it was pretty close before it even stepped on the field yeah. in Chicago on that Thursday night in week one, there was something about the vibe in the locker room. And, you know, everything with the coaching change and new a lot of new faces in the locker room and all of that, all, all of the that change can bring that about. But I think what was special about this group was that that closeness happened so quickly, as I say, before they even took the field yeah. in a regular season game, they seemed to have it. And yeah, it's disappointing that it ends here because you had a lot of things that went your way. You were a really healthy team for the most part. You caught some opponents with some injuries that were in your favor because they were missing some key players. You came out on the, on the right end of a lot of really close games in one season, which doesn't always happen a lot of times those close games in the fourth quarter end up you end up splitting them 50-50. Yeah. The Packers didn't split them 50-50 and that's why they ended up 13 and 3 and in the position that they were. So there were a lot of things and Rodgers even said at the podium after the game there were times where it just felt like maybe this was meant to be just the way the way everything was going. But quite frankly, Wes, they ran into a juggernaut in the San Francisco 49ers and that what the 49ers have done the last 2 weeks is maybe one of the most impressive uh, playoff runs, if you want to call it that, even though it was only two games with them being the top seed. But it's one of the most impressive playoff runs I've seen in the NFL in quite a while.
1: And it, it is that way, Mike, because it looked like they were losing the grasp on it in December. Yeah. With five games, it all came down to the final play. Yep. They lose to Atlanta. You know, they they, they have the the, the setbacks everything that they yeah, had they barely hang through. on
0: to beat the Seahawks they barely hung on you know needed a last second field goal to beat the Rams as you say every right. when we talked about that last week every game for them was coming down to the last minute so it was looking like there were some vulnerabilities there from the team that had gone 9 and 1 and then got to 10 and 1 by you know blowing out the Packers it, in week 12 but then they they fo- they found it again as i said they they went to another level in january when all the rest of these very good very competitive teams in the nfc were still kind of just grinding away
1: and i i think a lot of credit goes to robert sala specifically and i'm sure kyle shanahan had a role in this too but they made some tough decisions going into the playoffs they decided to go with mosley as their outside corner opposite of sherman yeah i mean they they made some decisions that weren't how they started the season, but they felt like this is going to give us the best chance to win. And defensively, I felt like they found a lot of answers. You know, th- this this team, and seeing how they match up with the with Kansas City, it's going to be very interesting because Kansas City, in many ways, has won the same way, but without the run game and a more dynamic passing game. Now, their defense wasn't nearly as suffocating as San Francisco was this year, but. They can be opportunistic, and they can make you pay. So it's going to be a very captivating Super Bowl 54, and for Green Bay, and I'll even extend this out to Tennessee too. Two teams that that really caught fire at the end of the season. Yeah, uh, this is this is a big moment for them because you know, unlike college football, where you're going to graduate junior classes and senior classes, and if you have a lot of talent, you have a good feeling that you're going to compete for the national title the next year if you have enough guys returning doesn't always work like that in the NFL, and that's why the offseason is important. That's why making sure that the young roster that Brian Gutekunst built, dating back to March and April, not thinking about, okay, 2019 or bust, thinking about playing the long game here, you want to see those strides. And I I feel like specifically looking at Matt LaFleur's offense, you can see how this can be a real juggernaut in its own right when Aaron Jones becomes a, a real solid playmaker that you feel like if he stays healthy here, this is this is the type of dynamic, multifaceted playmaker that the Packers have been looking for for yeah. years. Yeah, that isn't no just doubt. a running back. He's not just a scat back. He's a full-fledged, can give you everything he's got for 60 minutes and do whatever's asked of him and accomplish that well. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Adams is at the peak of his powers. You saw a guy like Alan Lazard step in. Elton Jenkins looks like the type of left guard that you could stick in there for the next 10 years if you need to do it. Right. And defensively, the pieces that were added, Zedarius and Preston Smith, both 26, 27 years old at this point, Adrian Amos, there's a lot of things to be excited about right now for Green Bay with what they did find. Can you go back? You're not going to be able to make four high-profile signings again. Yeah, you
0: can't. Yeah, you're not going to be able to go out and spend a second year in a row in free yeah. agency like the uh, like the Packers did this past year. It doesn't work that way. But you still, we know Brian Gutekunst is going to be active. He's yep. proven. He's shown in his time as GM when he said when he took over, we're going to be involved in every conversation. We're going to explore every avenue to improve the team. He has stood by his word, and not just in the off season, but during the season as well. And those are the things Rogers talked about. When you're picking up guys like Tyler Irvin, mm-hmm. Jared Valdir, B.J. Goodson, these other role-player type of guys that have experience in the NFL that can step in and help you out. They're not it's not just some undrafted rookie off the bench who's got to step in in a big moment. Those are the kinds of things where this Packers roster has has taken a step forward and now it's a matter of continuing that and sticking to that approach in the in the process as you move forward.
1: And this is where I go back to the pragmatic you know, kind of aspect of this is Brian Gutekunz has to be really diligent. There. His front office has to be really diligent. Who do you re-sign? Who do you look to add? Is there a D Ford type player out there? That's a pretty extreme example considering he was on a franchise tag last year. But, yeah. you know, a, a, a one big playmaker that you feel can be a missing piece. All those things factor into this. And it's the reason why I think there's a lot of optimism right now if you talk to that locker room because they feel like they aren't that far away but you have to make it count. No question about it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we will talk about some of those offseason issues and players whose contracts are up and all that as the week goes along here with the 2019 season in the books. But for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and there's all kinds of great video content out there on the Packers YouTube channel. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.